Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attack. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Dan Lorenzo from Hades, nonfiction, The Cursed, and my horrible solo music. You listen to my boy Victor on Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Ron Bumblefoot, fan of Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. How you doing? This is Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windor from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Kiske talking, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Silker, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey everybody, what's happening? This is John Bush, and you're cranking it up on Mars Attack. Hey, what's up everybody? It's Don Jameson from That Metal Show on DH1 Classic, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Crank it. Hey everybody, this is your big daddy Gene Hoagland, who has played with your favorite metal band, and you are listening to Mars Attacks Radio. Hey, this is Kurt Weinstein from Crowbar, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Hey there, you metal freaks. This is Eric Morath from the Indestructible Noise Command, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Horns up, motherfuckers. Indestructible Noise Command. This is Mars Attacks Podcast, episode number 37. I'm your host, Victor. And during this episode, we have a very special interview with Eric from Indestructible Noise Command. Uh, He'll let us know about their new album, which has just come out, Heaven Sent, Hellbound. Bleed the Line was actually the name of an EP that came out last year. And he gets into all that as well. 
Um, just a very cool episode or a very cool interview, I should say, and a really cool album. You know, it really surprised me. Uh, it's a typical thing where a PR person sends an album over and says, ah, oh, you know, you got to check this out. It's really good, blah, blah, blah. You know, you listen to it and you're like, eh, it's all right. But I really dug this album and I'm not just saying that to kiss anyone's ass. Uh, just some really cool you know, up-to-date thrash and mixed in with a bunch of uh, other stuff. You know, there's definitely a, a twinge of um, 90s metal a la Pantera going on in certain spots. Uh, but at the same time, I don't think that diminishes the music at all. Uh, it's just very cool, uh, straight-ahead metal, uh, a lot of great up-to-date thrash, and I really, really enjoyed the album. Uh, we'll have a review up there on Mars Attacks Radio as well regarding the album shortly, right around the time this podcast comes out. Um, I want to thank everyone uh, for checking out the Classic Albums column of Mars Attacks. Been getting a lot of really good feedback from people. Uh, the first album that was discussed was Metallica's and Justice for All. If you missed out on that, there's a podcast that coincides with the column had some comments from gene hoagland from mark striegel and from charlie benante drummer of anthrax and sod um he chose to speak um not of uh, uh master of puppet or i'm sorry he spoke about master of puppets instead of injustice for all uh which is cool by me you know there are people whose comments that i've received and they've said well you know, this is a good album, but I think this one's better, whatever. You know, I think that's cool, too. Uh, I didn't want absolutely every single comment to be a home run because, I mean, if everything is just kissing, you know, someone's ass or kissing an album's ass, you know, chances are people aren't going to check that album out or, you know, check the artist out. And what I wanted to do with this column is have, you know, people revisit an album that maybe they dug at one time or they've never heard of. Uh, before, uh, or check out an artist that's commenting on a specific album. You know, maybe there's a an instance where someone says, "Ah, you know, this guy's a jerk." You know, I, you know, I don't agree with his comments. You know, who the hell is he? You go to the index page, you find out who that person is, and you, I don't know, maybe you disregard their band, but maybe there's someone who, uh, you know, you thought was really cool. You know, you agreed with them. Uh, whether their comment was positive or negative towards an album. And you check out a band that maybe you hadn't heard of before, you know, and that's that's the whole thing, you know, just to spread the word of, you know, some classic albums, uh, some albums that, again, maybe uh, you haven't listened to in a while, maybe you've never heard of, you're a newer fan, and you want to know, uh, you know, some albums to check out, you're you know, maybe a teenager and you're listening to metal and you just started listening to stuff and you want to find out why, you know, uh, Between the Buried and Me sounds like this or why Bring Me the Horizon sounds like this, you know, bands like that. So you turn the clock back and you check out Injustice for All or some of the other albums that uh, we're going to be discussing. Uh, a new podcast and... Um, coinciding post on the site with comments, with written comments from various artists will come out on a monthly basis. Uh, the next column will be out towards the middle of June. Uh, so you guys keep posted on MarsAttacksRadio.com for that. Uh, also keep track of the Twitter 
For those of you that don't know, the Twitter account is MarsAries2005. That is Mars, M-A-R-S, Aries, A-R-I-E-S, 2005, so the year 2005. Um, And uh, check it out. Every time I interview someone or have something going on, I usually launch something up there. Also have the MySpace and um, Facebook group. Uh, There are links to that directly off of MarsAttacksRadio.com. Also want to remind you guys that I also do a radio show for Mark Striegel, on one of his streams on stream A of MarkStriegelRadio.com. If you're interested in listening to that, it's M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L Radio.com. And uh, this week we debuted a all-70s hard rock and metal uh, show. What we're going to do, I pretty much did four episodes back-to-back, so did 70s, 80s, 90s and um, the previous decade, so the 2000s, and uh, some cool stuff in there. You know, you can't always absolutely have everything on there, uh, but you try to do your best, you know, and cover as many bases as you can. Sometimes you throw in some rarity in there, and again, you know, it's just trying to help spread the word of some some music that, you know, that I dig and, you know, hopefully get other people interested in it. So uh, new episodes debut 8 p.m. Eastern, Thursdays on MarkStriegelRadio.com. Again, Stream A. Uh, These shows do repeat. Uh, They repeat not only the following day, uh, but they repeat in the coming weeks. So if you miss this week's show, it will be on an hour later uh, next week, for example. Uh, In any event, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com. Right there on the homepage, top right-hand corner, you'll find the hours when Mars Attacks does air, when the radio show does air. And, uh, yeah, have some, again, some cool stuff coming up on there. And, uh, you know, if you're looking to uh, check out some cool music, go to, uh, you know, Mars Attacks, or I'm sorry, Mark Striegel Radio. Uh, I help program Stream A. Mark Striegel does Stream B all by himself. But, um, yeah, you know, we try to rotate that as much as possible, and we have other cool stuff up on there, like... um, Excuse me, losing my voice there for a second. Uh, Metal Moment Podcast uh, with our good friend Chiaki, which is a show done in English and Japanese. He also has another show coming out called The Japanese Metalhead. You can actually subscribe to both of those on iTunes as well. Uh, Speaking of iTunes, you can subscribe to this podcast directly there on iTunes. You can actually listen to it, so you can stream it or download it from MarsAttacksRadio.com as well. And uh, what else? We also have the third podcast, which has been sort of pushed aside <laughs> while we uh, get stuff in order here. I'll have a new episode up shortly. That is the Incoherent Ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz. I usually talk about pretty much everything, TV, uh, sports, movies, and all types of music. A lot of stuff that's outside of the realm of hard rock and metal. And... Um, Oh, you can find that at victormruiz.com, or you can subscribe to that directly on iTunes as well. And um, let's get into a track, another track by Inc. The name of this track is Swallowed. I mention it during the episode. It is by far one of my favorite tracks that I've heard out of any band this year uh, really threw me for a loop when I was listening to the album because it has like a heavy blues based type riff like a 
you know, like a power riff going on there, uh, very uh, reminiscent of Pantera or Exhorter, if you know anyone gets ticked off by that comment. But yeah, it's it's there, and uh, some cool thrash and Maiden like uh, part in the middle, which Eric alludes to during the interview. And uh, yeah, check this out. We'll jump right into the interview, and then we'll come back with another track by Ink. Indestructible Noise Command. Yeah. 
question how many questions about the cars have you received over the years oh you mean the uh, the cars cover tunes uh, yeah 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 um well we had, it was like the big popular song for us you know 1988 uh, oddly enough i mean it, it was it was really like one of those goofball things we just did one day i think it was we did it for a concert for for a gig just to like we always used to do like a a cover tune you know, we used to do like uh, Sex Pistols or something, and then right. one one day we we're like, let's let's do let's do the Cars. We all love the Cars, you know. They were like the big band of the eighties, and so we, we we put that together, and and so everyone went on uh, interviews, you know, everyone wanted to hear it, and then so we started bringing acoustic guitar around, and we started doing <laughs> an acoustic unplugged version of, you know, of the Cars track. So I mean, it was just it was kind of goofy, but it was fun, you know, and people like to hear like kind of a a thrash band doing kind of a silly goofy fun version of, of the cars and uh but not anymore though i mean i think you know it's been so many years everyone wants to sort of know what the hell are we doing now you know what right. what resurrected you guys from the dead after more, two decades you know so uh the cars are kind of like that's uh you know, they kind of faded away that that old uh that old track interesting that the cars put out a new album and ink puts out a new album as well well, we're going to have to do another cover tune, I guess, for the next record then, right? <laughs> I, th- I think they should only hope to be as popular as they were in the 80s. Uh, they were, they were, I, I still think they were one of the, the most un- – well, you know, I can't say they're underrated because, I mean, they were very, very popular, but they are one of the great American bands of all time. I just – I love them. I mean, the whole band loved them throughout the 80s, and good on them. I, I, I say you're never too old to rock and roll, so – yeah. Um, you know, uh, I mean, they make us feel young, so hey, what the hell. <laughs> um, why did you guys decide to split up in the late 80s? It seemed as if the band was going in the right direction, and then all of a sudden yeah. you guys just disbanded. Well, yeah, you know, that's just it, you know, because it, it's always about perception, you know, from the fans' perspective, you know, like, okay, these guys put out their second record, you know, they made the number one on the CNJ metal charts in America, you know, they're like, you know, they were in the magazines. They were like all over the place. And, um, you know, why did they break up? And, you know, it's really the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, like the inside baseball stuff that people don't know about. And, you know, the record company, Giant Records, they, you know, they supported us only to a certain extent. You know, they would pay for the records, you know, for the recordings and the pressings and everything. But, you know, they didn't give us a penny for tour support. They didn't even, like, help us get on any tours or anything. And so we were always grounded and, you know, band can only grow so much by playing, you know, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Boston. You know, we were playing the, the Northeast, basically. Right. And, you know, we were like, listen, we got to make a move, you know. we got to try to, you know, go for greener pastures. So we left uh, the band. Uh, we left the, uh, the record company. And the band, uh, you know, started negotiating with um, some, uh, some major labels. And 
um, there was a, a major label that was very interested. Um, I, I forget which which one it is. I don't even think they're around anymore. I want to say it's Polydor or something like you know some some major label that that got swallowed up by Sony. Right. <laughs> Sony seems to like uh, swallowed up every record company on the planet. Um, right. But it, um, so you know we we were very close to, to having a record contract. Actually, the contracts were being written up, and the A and R guy that was dealing with our management. Uh, he got canned. He got shit canned by the uh, um, by the record company, and every band that he had already signed and was about to sign got scrubbed from the you know from the roster, and that was it. So it was like nine yeah. months of build up and negotiation. We were like, okay, well, finally we got this big you know record contract, and you know, we're gonna go on tour and all this stuff, and it all just crashed. And you know, when that happens, it kind of just deflates you. You know, I mean. Right. Over a year had gone by, you know, and, you know, we were, we went from playing in front of like 1,500 people, you know, a show to like 50 people, you know, because it's like we were so like, you know, we're so grounded and we weren't moving forward anymore. And, you know, that's when, you know, the band sort of starts to, you know, fight amongst themselves, you know. I always say it's kind of like a marriage, you know, everything's fine and dandy until the money runs out, you know. Right. And so we started bitching and moaning at each other, I mean, even though it wasn't anybody's fault, but it stopped being fun, you know, and so once it stopped being fun, it was sort of like, eh, let's just, you know, let's call it a day, and, you know, there's a lot of debate whether maybe we should, like, you know, held out, because imagine if we put out, a, you know, another record, another record after that, and, you know, after 25 years, you know, we'd be legends, you know, <laughs> um, but listen, I always say life's a long road, and, you know, that's what's, that's what's great about it, you know, like, you always have time for redemption, you know, so, here we are, you know, 23 years from the date of, of the last album we put out. And, uh, you know, here we are, you know, we're sort of, you know, risen from the dead. And I think we're better than ever. And, and we're looking forward to moving forward. Okay. And how long did it take you to want to put the band back together? Was it something that, you know, every so many years you kicked the thought around in your head and, all of a sudden just decided, you know what, now's the time to put the band back together? Or was it something that you had just buried in your past and just started getting back together with everyone and just decided to do something? Yeah, we, um, that, that, that sort of thought, you know, that, that, that idea had been passed around quite a few times um, by the other members. Um, they, you know, basically it always was like, let's, let's get back together and do a couple shows, you know, like let's just have like a reunion. And I never, ever wanted to be part of reunions. See, I, I always believe in going forward, not really going backwards. And right. to me, a reunion is just sort of like, let's just be nostalgic for like a night. And then we all go back to our lives and that's the end of it. And to me, it's like not really, I want to do something historic, you know, like let's get back together and let's have a second career. And what a great story that would be. Like these guys come back and, you know, everyone's thinking, uh, these guys have been out of it for so many, you know, over two decades, and they come out with, you know, some kick-ass material. I think that's a bigger story. So I never want to be part of that. Uh, but one day, basically, uh, Dennis uh, Gurgley uh, and I were on instant message together on, on a computer because we're on every day, and we're always, like, chatting. You know, he's in, he's in Connecticut. I'm in Cyprus. We talk every day on instant message. And we just started talking about the, the bands back in the day we were playing with, and He's like, let's start Googling these bands, you know? And suddenly, you know, we're Googling all these bands from the 80s, and we're like, shit, they're still playing shows, and they're still putting out, you know, demos and albums. And I'm like, I'm like, man, we could definitely do this. I mean, but, you know, maybe it's time 
you know, we give this a shot, you know. So I was like, okay, let me write one song and see how it comes out, you know. And if, we, if we're feeling it, you know, then that song will be like the launching pad. So I, I wrote Full Metal Jacket, and, um, you know, I wrote it in like an hour, and it felt really good, you know. It was like real natural, you know. It was just like, boom, it just happened. And I sent it over to Dennis. I got my little studio here, you know, I put it all together with the drums and everything. And I sent it over to him. He was like, dude, man, we got to do this, you know. Let's just, let's go. <laughs> And from, from that point, it was just like the whole record got written, you know, in like three, four months. And I already wrote the next record, you know. I've been writing for over a year straight. I write like two songs a week. So it's like, you know, I guess I guess 20 years, I get, you know, it's like, so I'm not taking a shit for 20 years, and now you got the runs now for like a year, you know. <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's, ba- that's basically where I'm at now. It's just like I can't stop shitting out songs. So, you know, it's great. I mean, we're just, I mean, we're just loving where we are. And, uh, you know, we're, we're loving, you know, the, the feeling of, of the band, you know, it's real exciting again. And so, you know, uh, hopefully the, 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 the people who hear it feel the same way as we do. Okay. And the band very slightly from the band that broke up in the late eighties, right? Um, I'm sorry, what's the question? The band members very slightly from the last incarnation in the late eighties, right? Yeah. We're the three out of the original four are in this band. So, Okay. Me and Anthony, the original guitar players, and Dennis, the original vocalist, he played bass back then, but he, he has long quit bass. He likes to just basically just be a, a front man. Cause he was a front man for a hardcore band called Payback in Connecticut, and he just likes the freedom of just having a microphone and running around. So right from the start, he was like, dude, I don't want to play bass, you know? I'm like, That's, I, I don't want you to play bass. I want you to be like a, a, a mental case, you know, on stage. So we got Sam Rune, who's with Hung, and uh, they're they're you know they just got signed too, and uh, we we hooked up with Dennis Lee Flang for for drums. He's he plays with Bumblefoot and he played with Lita Ford and he's a he's a pro player, you know. So um, we got, we we came back as a five piece, you know. So basically right. we added a bass player, you know, so Dennis could have the freedom and you know it's, it, it'll work out much better, you know, for our live show. Okay, and uh, why did? you guys feel that now was the right time to put the album out. I mean, sometimes people start writing songs, but it takes them a while to put that material out. Uh, why were you confident enough to put the album out right now? Well, it's really, you know, it's up to uh, the industry. You know, I mean, every band thinks their, their shit don't stink, you know. So right. everybody puts out, you know, their demos and like, oh, we're the best, you know, we're rule, you know, and I mean, suddenly they put it out there and nobody wants to sign them, you know. So, I mean, we, we, we made Bleed the Line, the EP, last right. summer, and, and we pressed it on the CD and we're like, okay, let's, well, we're doing this for the industry. We're going to put it out to radio, see if radio cares at all, and then we're going to send it out to record companies. And we were shocked that radio, we got picked up by 70, 70 stations in America and most huh. of them were commercial stations. And we, we made it to number 11 on the CMJ metal charts. Now, this is a band that hadn't been around for 20 years, and, and right. it's an EP. You know, record, uh, radio stations don't really give a shit about EPs. That's sort of like, you know, they want full length. So the fact that we did that well, we were like, damn. And then suddenly, like, you know, we got signed. I mean, it was like two months after the CD was burned out, you know, and, and we put it out there. Uh, you know, we got a call from uh, Rising Records saying, hey, you know, We'll put this out. We got great distribution. We got EMI in the USA. You know, we got Plastic Head over Europe, and we got all this stuff in Japan. And 
they got all four corners of the earth covered. We're like, all right, here we are, you know? And so basically we got together, we got back together last February. We put out the bleed the line. We finished the bleed the line in the summer. The, the CD was done in September. We got signed in November. Uh, we finished the full length album in uh, February. And here we are, you know, so everything's moved so fast. You know, we, you know, we really hadn't had time to think, you know, whether or not, you know, it's ready or not. I mean, we feel ready, and obviously the industry feels it's, it's good and it's ready. So, you know, right now it's out of our hands. We did, the, we did the best album we could. We're real proud of it. So now it's just really up to the people whether or not they embrace it. Okay. And some of the songs from Bleed the Line also appear on Heaven Sent, Hellbound as well, right? Yeah, they all do. I mean, that was, sort okay. of, that was always the point is basically – um, Bleed the Line wasn't really for sale, although you, you could buy it if you want on iTunes, you know, and we put right. it out there. We figured if, if people can't wait, they could always pay, I think it's, like, I think it's five or six bucks for the, for the, uh, the EP. It's six songs. Um, right. But it was always meant to be that those songs would be on the full length, you know. But the okay. difference is, though, that the full length is mixed by the great Frederick Nordstrom, you know, who, of course, has done in flames and soil work and bring me the horizon and at the gates and you, you name it, he's, uh, right. he's produced and mixed them. So, you know, the album has a, a very full and you know heavy sound and not, not, not the EP sounds bad. That sounds good too, but you know, he definitely put like a lot of color and thickness into it. So, uh, yeah, those six songs and then, and plus, and plus another six, so there's 12 tracks on the full length. Okay, so it's the same exact recordings, just they're mixed differently. Uh, no, they, they redid um, the guitars. Uh, Anthony redid his rhythms because he didn't like the pickups that he used for the EP. So okay. he got new pickups and he redid all the guitars. And, and we actually redid a few things, like a few riffs were slightly changed. You know, and you, once you record something and you hear it, you're like, hmm, let's tweak this. So we did a couple tweaks. You know, so we kind of cleaned it up a little bit, um, but you know, there's, it, there's there aren't any drastic differences as far as the the performance, you know. But um, okay. little things here and there, but the sound is definitely a big big difference. Okay, I noticed when I looked the EP up on iTunes that it said that Bumblefoot appeared on Rain. Does he appear on the full length as well during Rain? Yes, yes. Um, okay. Yeah, just you know, like I said, it, it, it's been remixed, so it, it's. You know, it's it's a little bit thicker, heavier. You know, and uh, it, it was it was great to have him. You know, he's just like from another planet. That guy. You know, he's like <laughs> right. he's, he's sort of in that Steve I category when you're like, okay, he definitely has like three or four extra fingers on that left hand. You know, because you know he can't be doing that. You know, but uh, you know he he dug he dug the song, he dug the band, and you know he was like, yeah, I'll play on it. And I was like, all right, dude. You know, and like three days, four days later, he just sent in his lead. You know, something in the file, and I heard it. And I was like, Jesus, I, I gotta quit. <laughs> I gotta stop playing leads. <laughs> what am I doing? So, you know, uh, but you know, it was good. He kind of inspired me to kind of be a better guitar player. You know, because you know, I, I just, you know, I, I, I like playing lead, but I don't know. I never really thought like, hey, you know, I need to like be at that level. And like, you know, he kind of like, he, he kind of lit a fire under me. You know, so um, right. I, I definitely been like brushing up on chops since then, and. You know, definitely the, the, the full-length album has better leads overall. Okay. And you touched on this a bunch of times. 
this material sounds a lot heavier than what you put out back in the day. Was that purposely, or I'm sorry, did you purposely try to accomplish that, or did that just naturally come out? Yeah, that's that's probably the the, the topic that's most talked about. You know, um, a lot of people ask me, you know, hey, you know, why don't you guys sound like you know, you guys don't sound nothing like you used to. You know, some people are disappointed by it, and some people are pleasantly surprised, you know. Um, and I always tell them, you know, the same thing that, you know, when somebody writes a song, like I write all the songs, you know. It, it's a very organic thing. It's just sort of like, oh, I got an idea, you know, and you just do it, you know. It's, it's not like you sit down with your guitar and say, you know, I really want to really make the thrash crowd happy, so I'm going to write a song for them today, you know. And now I want to make, you know... People who like, you know, for whom the bell tolls type crowd, I'm going to make that kind of song. And now, I, I, right. you know, we need a little bit, we need some of the punk crowd. So I'm going to write a punk song just to bring those people in. I mean, it just doesn't work like that. You can't, you can't write good songs like that. You've got to just let it happen, you know, mm-hmm. and this is who I am today. And INC in, in the 80s was who I was then, you know, and that's the kind of music I was writing then. And so it's, this is like really a natural progression. The only thing is, Usually, like if there's a band that's together for 25 years, right. well, you know they put out an album every two years, and you know you could hear every album sounding a little bit different. So by the time you get to the 25th year, you're like, you know, okay, they're they're a different band now, they're heavier. But now with us, you know, there's no there's no frame of reference. It's just sort of like a time warp. Like you fell right. asleep in 1987 and you woke up in 2011, <laughs> you're like, what the fuck just happened? You know, these guys are like so, you know, heavy and like. You know, the singers, like, he's not, this doesn't sound like he used to, and, you know, everything's, you know, I mean, listen, it's not like we went from a metal band to a disco band, you know, we're still right. a metal band, and we still have a lot of thrash, and, you know, we still love the old school, so we have a little bit of the old school songwriting style in there, but it's definitely a heavier band, and plus with technology, you know, and sure. using Frederick Nordstrom, he's going to get you that modern sound, so we're, we're, we're thrilled with it, it's where we want to be, you know, I mean, we are... We consider ourselves modern, even though we we still love the old school. It's it's sort of old crashing into new, you know. I think it's yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's what we want to do. Yeah, it's it's definitely cool. I mean, you you have a lot of bands that do something similar to what you guys have done and go away for a bunch of years and come back, and they sound like they're just imitating themselves twenty years later. And to me, it just sounds cheap. Um, because of what you're saying, you know, there is no progression and it just seems like they're just trying to cash in on what they did back in the day. And that's why I think this album sounds so good. I mean, it, you know, for the times and for the technology, like you said, you know, it just sounds very heavy, very punishing. And, you know, there are songs that I think deviate from what you guys have done in the past. I think this, the one song that really caught my ear the first time I heard it was Swallow, just from, you know, how yeah. different it is from everything else. And it's just so cool and so heavy. And it's, you know, it's just a very complete song. And I think the album is very complete as well. Yeah, thanks for that. I mean, it's it, it's interesting because the, you know, the album was a, a bit of a journey, you know, because like I said, I started with Full Metal Jacket, and you know, I kind of had to find myself again too, you know, because it's like I hadn't really sat down and written, you know, this kind of music for years. So, you know, I started with Full Metal Jacket, and then uh, Fueled by Regret was the second, and Bleed the Line, and then then God Loves Violence, and so I was trying to find out who I was, you know, and 
interestingly enough, Swallowed was the last song written huh. for the album. Um, we were actually thinking about holding it over for the next album because the next album is actually quite diverse. It goes from like insane speed to like beautiful like uh, orchestration. You know, I mean, the next album's gonna be you know much bigger. You know, we, we definitely need a bigger budget because it's gonna have all kinds of stuff on it. You know, it's right. um, it's still thrash and power metal. I mean, it's it's not mellow, but uh, you know, it, it's fearless. I think because you know it, it sort of goes in like a lot of cool kind of areas you don't expect the band to go um, right. while still keeping very heavy, you know, but um, you know, that's the one thing IMC always was though, if you listen to our first two albums we never were really boxed in, you know, we never really were like, we're like, you know like, there's certain bands, you know, that have sort of that one style, and, and I'm not you know, I'm not saying anything negative about it but you know, you hear that, that band and you're like okay, that's that band, but like we always wanted to like try different things, you know, we tried to try a little funk and a little jazz and a little punk, you know, we always like mix a little stuff in there of, cause we all, we, we like so many bands, so many genres, you know? So right. we always did that back in the eighties. And, you know, I think you hear that with the new stuff too. We, we experiment, you know, we like to just keep moving forward and, you know, we don't want to be that one kind of style band, you know, we want to really just mix it up and keep people off balance. Right. Yeah. And that song, uh, swallowed is just very like groove orientated and very bluesy to an extent, but yet heavy and punishing. So, yeah, and we do a little bit of we do a little tribute to Iron Maiden in the in the middle with the guitar parts. You know, I, I you know I always wanted to do kind of like a a grand sort of epic song. That's like you know it's an eight minute song and there's the dual guitars and I always love that you know. But the band yeah. broke up before we ever could get that far and. Now I was like, okay, now's my chance. I'm going to put this song out, you know, and it felt yeah. great, you know. And like I said, this album felt great. It was all the, it's the album we always wanted to do, you know, so uh, we're just, we're, we're thrilled with it. Okay. And um, how different did recording feel for you this time around as opposed to back in the 80s? Of course, the technologies are completely different. Did that help things? Did that hinder things? What's your take? Oh, it, it definitely, uh, it helps so much. I mean, back then, it was, you know, you had a two-inch uh, tape you, you know, you, 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 you recorded on, and, and if you made a mistake, I mean, now, you know, you have Pro Tools, so <laughs> you could, like, you know, if you do, like, you're doing your lead, you could do five different versions of a part of a lead, and then with Pro Tools, you could kind of put the, put the best, you know, pieces together, and it sounds like one lead, you know, whereas, right. whereas, you know, in 1986, 87, 88, you know, you had to actually just play it through, you know, and it was hard to, you know, you know, get it exactly the way you wanted to, you know, or, or if you, or, or if you wanted to get exact, you have to really sit there and, you know, time consuming and, you know, your budget was always small, so you couldn't do it always the way you wanted to, because, it's like, okay, I got an hour to do all my leads, you know, you know, so, but now it's like with, with technology, I mean, I actually did a lot of my leads here in Cyprus and I recorded right. it here on my system. I just sent the uh, wave files to the studio, you know, and that's how awesome is that? You know, you could, you could have, you know, a, a band that's spread out as far as we are, you know, New York, Connecticut and Cyprus, 5,000 mile difference. And we wrote this album 5,000 miles apart and we recorded this album basically 5,000 miles apart as well. So right. there you go. I mean, that's, that's the beauty of technology and the Internet and, and digital recordings. It's, 
and it, it also makes it cheaper too, you know, because you, you could buy Pro Tools for your own computer, you know, for like a thousand bucks or whatever, and right. you have your own studio, and you could do all your parts at home, and you just like I said, mail it in, you know, so it's very cool. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, I forget what band I spoke to the other day, and it was a similar deal where there was one guy in in L.A., another one in Vegas, another one in New York, and another one in England, and that's how they'd put their album together as well. Yeah, and it, it's cool because, you know, I mean, in the old age, you know, bands were on top of each other all the time. You know, you were rehearsing all the time, and, you know, then you'd all go to the studio, and, you know, it's like you were on top of each other, like, you know, hurry up, you know, we, we got a, you know, you got you know, a limited budget, everyone's got to like rush, and now it's, it's a little more relaxed, you know, like I said, because, you know, one guy could go in, and, you know, you, you I, I could send like a, um, a rough track, to, I could play to a click, and then just send that click track in, you know, my guitar over the click, and the drummer could play, you know, to that click and my, my guitar, he could play the drums by himself, you know, mm-hmm. in the studio, and just do the drums on his own, and when he's done, the next guy, so it's one guy at a time to go in now on, on their time. It, it, it makes it, you know, more relaxing and, you know, it, it's very cool. I definitely dig it. Okay. And um, with something like the New England Hardcore and Metal Festival becoming so popular and so many bands coming out of that from Connecticut, Massachusetts, and so on that were very popular do you ever look back and think shit you know we were x amount of years ahead of our time had we've come out in the mid 90s we would have been so much bigger than we ended up being or does that never cross your mind well no i mean what crossed our mind is that we actually came out at a good time you know it, it, you know the the mid 80s was a great time to come out with this kind of music because it was very young and fresh and the scene was not saturated, you know. I mean, true. We were really, we were really the only band like of our kind in Connecticut doing this kind of thrashy stuff, you know. And um, you know, I mean, there was like Metallica, Exodus. You know, you could count like th- these kind of bands, you know, on two hands basically, you know. And and so the the scene was wide open, you know. It's just the the problem was that you know we broke up. I mean, if, if we didn't break up, and, and you know we we got another another deal. You know, the, the the career would have kept moving forward. We would have put our third album and fourth album, and you know, we just would have kept going. You know, but um, you know, like I said, it's it's success and failure are always a series of either fortunate incidents or unfortunate incidents. And uh, you know, sadly, the first time around was unfortunate incidents, and we're hoping this time. So far, everything's been fortunate. You know, I mean, everything's going our way. So hopefully, things will keep going our way and we could have a little redemption for what we lost out on, you know, when we broke up in 1990. Okay. And have you ever been caught off guard by someone saying that they're a fan of your work or a fan of the band? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we, we, when we got back together and we made the uh, lead the line EP, I was just making a lot of uh, emails and calls and stuff to like, you know, booking agents and, management and PR all over basically the world. Um, you know, and like there were some places in Germany, like some PR guy was like, Oh, I'm a big fan of you guys. Uh, this and that. And, you know, I mean, you just, you, you know, you stumble upon it. Now that, you know, we're out again and we have our Facebook uh, page. I mean, we, I always get messages like, Oh my God, I can't believe you guys are back together. You know, like people from England and Germany and 
I'm like, shit, you know, this is cool. You know, like people are sending, you know, I really want people to hear about it. You know, like I want the old fans to know we're back. I mean, some fans will be disappointed that we're not, you know, the way we were in 1987. That's cool. But I want at least everyone to know that we're back and hear it and, and judge for themselves, you know, because we did have a, a, a very good, you know, good-sized fan base, you know, even though we were still somewhat underground. But, you know, it was a very strong fan base, and I just want everyone out there to, to know you know, I mean, of course, we're going to build on new fans now because there's a whole new generation of, of metalheads out there. But we definitely want to let, let the old fans know that we're, we're back. Okay. And uh, how has your gear varied over the years? Um, right now, man, I, I just borrow gear because right now I'm trying to get endorsements. So I didn't want to go out and, <laughs> and I didn't want to go out and really invest a lot. So, you know, I mean, I was I, I just been borrowing Boogie. You know, so I, I just I just play through a boogie, and uh, I got a Gibson Les Paul and a, and a DBZ. So, um, you know, that's it. I mean, right now I'm just trying to get an endorsement. I really don't want to spend any of my own money on on stuff. I mean, we'll probably get something in the next like few months. Uh, for a time, we, by the time we go on tour, you know, late summer, we should have our own uh, deal lined up. So, um, okay. you know, I, I really don't even have a bunch of gear. I just have like a I have a PV I play through, and that's about it. Okay. And as far as the Les Paul and the DBZ are concerned, uh, do you have stock pickups in there? Do you have uh, EMGs in there? Same or Duncan's? What, what do you have going on? Yeah, the DBZ, I use uh, EMGs. And the, the Gibson Les Paul is actually a reissue uh, Black Beauty, and that's the original uh, pickups, the humbuckers. So it's a very bluesy-sounding guitar. But when you, when you put it on like a boogie, it's a, it's a really thick, you know, thick, warm sound, you know. It kind of, like, reminds me of the sound the Lamb of God has, you know. They, right. Those guys have a very warm, because they, they, they play with the next, next position pickup, you know. So they have a very thick kind of bluesy almost sound when they play alone. So, uh, you know, it's nice to nice mix between the two. So I definitely want to get started. I'm definitely looking to get some more guitars, though. I mean, there's so many guitars out there I like. I still like Jackson, you know, some ESP out there I really like. So, you know, I definitely want to dive into that. But like I said, I, I don't want to really buy anything because, you know, if I buy something and then suddenly we get endorsed by somebody else and, you know, you kind of like, uh, I just wasted my, you know, not wasted, but, you know, you would rather just go with the company that, that gives you an endorsement and then you get like a nice big-ass discount, which I could use. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, what did you tune to on this album? Uh, D, you know, just the old Pantera tuning, you know. I mean, some people are crazy. They tune down to like the C, and I don't even know, like, bring me their eyes, and I don't even know what the hell they uh, tune down to. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the band is keep finding new t- new tunings, and you know, what I from what I hear, uh, like Frederick Nordstrom said that like uh, like bring me the horizon. A lot of these bands, they actually have companies that make strings special for them to be yeah. able to tune down what they tune down to. So, um, you know, I don't want to make, you know, I don't I don't want to have kind of that you know, tune down so low that you almost don't really get it, you know. I just, I still want to maintain sort of that rock and roll, like, you know, like you said, like with Swallow, you know, you hear a little bit of blues. I don't, you know, yeah. I think when you tune down that low, it almost sounds like a whole different type of music. I don't know. Not, not that I'm, I'm not saying anything disparaging to it. I mean, I actually like some of that stuff. There's a few Bring Me the Horizon songs I actually think are awesome. But, um, you know, um, for us, I, we, we're kind of a little more old school, and so we just tuned down to a D. We used to be tuned to just plain old E for 40, right. but we went a little bit heavier this time with a D. And 
um, you know, it, 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 you could hear the, the, the extra bottom from that. Okay. And uh, you did mention already that there are plans to tour, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we don't, you know, nothing written in stone. Like, we don't have the dates, but um, the game plan is right now just we're blitzing PR. I'm actually flying to the States in a few weeks and seeing like eight straight days of like all day, like interviews, and we're shooting video for Swallowed, actually. And oh, okay. um, we're, uh, we're doing a photo shoot, and, you know, I mean, we get, we're just getting the band just together to do tons of press. And then we're going to continue press basically through into the summer. And then once, you know, the buzz is, you know, strong and we're starting to get feature articles in the magazines and all, um, we're going to probably do UK and parts of Europe. I'm thinking probably uh, August, September. And then we'll, we'll come to the States after that. But it's one of those situations that's fluid, you know. I mean, suddenly someone might call us, you know, from the States in July and say, hey, you know, we got two weeks for you guys with, whoever, you know, uh, Trivium or whoever, you know, you guys want it, we'll be like, hell yeah, we want it, you know, so it's, <laughs> right. it's uh, a fluid situation, but we definitely, because we've been away for so long, we really got to just do a lot of press, you know, I like doing interviews with guys like you just to get the word out, and, you know, we got to do a lot of that right now just to really just get, you know, as many eardrums to hear our voices and our music as possible so, you know, people get interested again. Absolutely, and that's that's what I'm here for to help uh, promote, you know, your music and and hope that people that listen to this interview and uh, listen to the songs that I piece in during the interview give them the incentive to go out, check the band out, and you know, make sure that uh, they get you guys out on tour and see you while you're out on tour. Amen to that. <laughs> um, when does the album drop exactly? Uh, it's May 24th in the U.S., and I think it's around the same time in Europe. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure on that, but, um, you know, for the people who are listening in Europe, um, it's, uh, it, you know, just look around, you know, either, either, uh, either, either May 24th or, like, shortly thereafter, because sometimes they release, like, a week later in Europe. Right. Um, but, but, you know, the record company hadn't told me a different date. They just said the 24th. I assume that that might be both Europe and, and I know I know for sure it's in the U.S. in the 24th, but I'm assuming it's probably the same day or around the same day in, in Europe. Okay, and uh, where should people go to find out what's going on with the band? Um, the, the best place, you know, um, at first we, we made like an official website, but I just hate updating it, dude. It's just kind of lame. <laughs> I just right. I, I really like Facebook. So the best thing to do is just go to facebook.com slash INC metal. It's one word, INC metal. And that's it. That's our, our Facebook page, uh, our, our band page. You know, just press the, the, the like button. And, um, you know, we, we update it all the time. So now that, you know, the press is coming out, you know, I just, it's my fourth interview today. And I got a bunch tomorrow and the rest of the week. So as these uh, interviews are posted, like, you know, if you post this interview I'll definitely, you know, it goes right on to the Facebook page. So um, <clears throat> all our press, all the news about the new video and, you know, anything that may come down the road, you know, it goes right on Facebook. Hey there, you metal freaks. This is Eric Varath from the Indestructible Noise Command, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Horns up, motherfuckers.
Noise Command Solo, which features our good friend Ron Bumblefoot Thal. Bumblefoot was actually the first person to get back to me regarding the classic albums column. I sent the request out and he responded that same day, uh, providing me with comments for all of the albums that he was interested in. Again, check that out. And uh, again, check out the Twitter account, the Facebook, MySpace, so on and so forth. Links to that are all on MarsAttacksRadio.com. Also, you can find links on over to iTunes, and you can subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes as well, or stream it or download it from the actual MarsAttacksRadio.com. Hopefully, by the time the next episode comes out, this cold slash allergy attack that I have will go away, and my voice will be a little less shaky and a little bit more back to normal, if you can call it that. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to Eric from Inc. for coming on. Thanks to Adrenaline PR, to Natalie from Adrenaline PR for making all this happen. And uh, thanks to you guys for listening. We're going to leave you with Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, excuse me, from Indestructible Noise Command. See you next time right here on Mars Attack. (laughs) We'll be right back.